Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. If you would be opening your Bibles to James, the fourth chapter. James, the fourth chapter, if you're reading in a pew Bible that's in front of you there, it's on 1074. And we'll continue a lesson that we began this morning. It's so good to see the 20-somethings back with us. They've been on a retreat this weekend. And they are a tremendous blessing, the life of this congregation, as you already know. And we love you and appreciate all that you do. And the encouragement and the spark of energy that you guys give us is a great blessing to us. And we're thankful for you. Uh, We really thank you for the prayers that so many of you have said. We prayed for you and and for the work in El Salvador while you were there uh, earlier uh, this past week. And Andrew and Tracy and I flew down and we met up with Jack Farber and we had a a two-day seminar primarily with the ministers and their wives, although on the second day several also came in from other congregations and so it was kind of a mixture of both. And a lot of topics were covered that we were informed that were needed topics. And and I just want you to know, God answered your prayers. There were three great concerns that some conflict that had taken place among them. Uh, One was a doctrinal issue and one was just relationship issues. And if you can just paint a picture in your mind, uh, any of you have been there, you know the volcano is in the background. And as the sun was setting Tuesday night, we're coming close to an end. The last hour, they talked amongst themselves and the things that we'd been talking about for those days, and they were able to resolve so much of the conflict and the problems that they had been having. And uh, I don't think it was because we were there, but I think it was because the opportunity that was presented because we were there and because God answered your prayers. And uh, thank you so much. Let's... On your prayer cards that many of you will be praying this week, it'll have various missionaries on there. Realize they have struggles. We had one that cried like a baby at the end. And Jack called back the next day and told me the reason he was crying so hard is he just doesn't feel like he's worthy. That his congregation isn't growing. And and he told Jack, he said, you just need to cut my support. You need to fire me as a missionary. I'm I'm just, I'm not doing the job. And in our opinion, he's one of the best ones we have. But that's just how discouraging it can sometimes be on the mission field. And so when you're offering your prayers this week, don't forget to pray for them and, and realize as we're studying today, if we realize that there are so many things out of our hands, but we can take it to a God, it's in His hands. And so make sure you ask this week. If we don't ask, He promises in Matthew 7, I won't give it to you. And so let's make sure that those we love receive what they need because we've asked. Let's think real quickly where we've been today and then we're going right into James, the fourth chapter. Today we're talking about the topic of prayer, but we're also coupling the topic of prayer with the idea, of course, of asking. But it's not just the verbiage of asking, but it's a life that is wholly dependent upon God. A life that realizes I can't do it. Just like Jacob, he feared Esau coming, believing that him and the 400 men were going to destroy him and his family. And so when we read this morning in Genesis, the 32nd chapter, we read his prayer of deliverance where he knew in his mind, the only way he was going to survive would be if God protected him. And then you remember that night he wrestled with God. And even though he was weak and even though his hip was out of joint, the one thing that he did know 
was that he wasn't turning loose of God until he received a blessing from God. That is such a symbolic parallelism to what I believe our prayer life ought to be. We can't make it alone. But through prayer and through submission to God, we can hang on to God. And we can tell God we can't make it. We want to ask you, by the way we live, to be the one that supplies our livelihood. We want to ask you, by the way we pray, be one that we can depend upon. That's the God that is revealed to us in the Scriptures. We looked at the end of the lesson this morning in Matthew, the seventh chapter. And we saw the teachings of Jesus over and over. He said, ask. Even a child knows they can ask their earthly father. And an earthly father knows what is best for the child. How much more could a heavenly father do? But then he reminds us, if we only ask. Now, with this theme of asking on our mind, let's go and let's read the first few verses now of James, the fourth chapter. Look, if you will, at verse 1 and 2, and notice what happens when you try without asking. And the idea of trying here is you try to live. You try your own way without asking. How does it turn out? Now, this text has already been read for us this morning, but let's work our way through it. We're in the fourth chapter, verse 1 and 2. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. I couldn't help but notice as I was studying through this, You or your is used about eight times. Do you think God's not trying to make a point? Okay, you want to live a life without asking God in prayer? Not only are you going to live a life of no prayer, but you're going to live a life that's all about you. You see, as we emphasize this morning, we continue tonight, you can't separate the fact that when someone has a strong prayer life, it's coupled with a humility that says, I'll deny myself. I'll take up the cross and I'll follow the Lord. But if an individual says, no, I'm not going to deny self. I'm going to cling to self. I want things my way. I want my pleasures fulfilled. What's going to happen? Well, what James is teaching, the very thing that will happen is there's going to be a lot of war, a lot of fights, a lot of conflict in your life. There are going to be a lot of carnal things, lust, sinful desires that you're going to want to fulfill. And you're going to work and work and work and try to fulfill those. And you're going to find out you're still having conflict and you still haven't obtained the things that you want. And then James is sitting back here as, after he's made this point of us living a life that's about us. You, 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 you. And then he kind of sums it up by saying, isn't that something? You never ask. If you would have made life about God and about God's will instead of your lust and about the peace of God instead of war and conflict, think how different your life could have been. Let's read verse 3 and notice as he takes this idea of asking now a step further. This time, they did ask, but they asked without trying to live the Christian life. Look at verse 3. You ask. And do not receive, because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So now he says, let me talk to another group of people. There are some that do ask, 
But everything they ask, it's still back to verse 1 and 2. It's about you, 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 you. In other words, you want God to just be a wish list for you. One that can just sprinkle the magic dust and whatever your carnal nature is, you want God to answer that prayer so that you can fulfill your way. You want God to bless you because you selfishly want instead of using what you are and what you have to serve and to glorify God. Now, I could give you what would sound like a a far-out illustration. I'll give you one. What if a woman prayed to lose 10 pounds so that she could fit into an immodest outfit? Oh, nobody would really do that. I'm sure you it's probably been done. Ask a miss. I had a man sit down in my office one day. He said he was suicidal. After an hour had elapsed, let me give you a brief summary of what the story was. He went into Lowe's. The girl that checked him out was very attractive. He fell in love at first sight. He talked with her, found out that she was married and had two kids and very happily married. He believed that it was God's will for her and him to be together. He went to his real good job and he quit that day. He went back to Lowe's and he put in an application. It was easy for him to be hired. He began working there for one purpose. He was going to marry her. It took about 10 or 12 months. But finally he convinced her in that length of time to leave her husband children, divorced parents. He believed it was an answer to prayer. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine asking God to help you bust up a family? I know that's extreme, but that's true. Now let me ask you this, is there anything that's not quite so extreme that you've prayed for lately that's strictly selfish desire, that's sinful? You want it just for you, no other reason. Not to glorify God, not to serve God. How can we ask amiss? A safeguard is to make sure we don't live a life that's amiss. That's why when we read James 1 and 2 and 3 that are so powerful teachings about asking God, we have to couple it with 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Because when we see the whole picture, the whole picture is live a life of humility, a life that is set upon serving God, and we're going to naturally be people that ask, and we're going to be people that do not ask amiss. Let's give one more illustration before we move on, an application that we need to think of in the life of this congregation right now. Have you asked, not just verbiage, from the depths of your being, believing that it is a reality, for God to bless the efforts of the appointing of elders in this congregation right now? Do you believe that if God's not involved in this process, it will not be successful? Have you asked amiss? Praying specifically for someone because you want your person there? Or can you sincerely pray to God 
You simply want God's will to be done. You want this church to be blessed and benefited exactly the way God wants it to be. Friends, let's not be people that praise a selfish agenda. Let's always be people that praise for God's will, for God to be glorified. But again, it has to be backed with a life that lives that same way. For a few minutes now, let's think about that life. Look with me, if you will, again at verse 3. And let's go to this next slide again to see verse 3. Notice how verse 3 ended. Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see, when we fail to give up self, there is no way our prayer life can be what it ought to be. And so the first thing that we see here now as we begin looking at the rest of the the, uh, verses, this paragraph in this way, is we see that we make mistakes when we pray and it's all about ourselves. Notice verse 4, if you will. He says, Adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We can look at the way we view the world. And if our idea is... I love being with the world. I love doing what the world does. I love the entertainment of the world. I like the talk of the world. I really love it when the world accepts me. When the world puts their arm around me and they make me one of them. I love that. That tells us immediately we've got our friendships wrong. We can't be friends of the world and friends of God. We can't bar hop and we can't go clubbing and we can't do all the things the world does and then say, I want a strong prayer life. I can't go with my friends and cheat on tests and turn in somebody's term paper and then say, I'm really working on my prayer life. I can't cheat on expense accounts. I can't go out and gossip about my neighbor and backbite against my brother in Christ and then say, but I'm really working on my prayer life. God makes it very clear here. We choose our friends. Are we going to be friends with God? Are we going to be... Friends with the world. It affects our life. It affects our prayer life. But notice how it can be if we are willing to give up self. That's a winning situation. Look at James, the fourth chapter in verse 6. These next few verses, he talks about how life can be different if we're just willing to give up self. And we win Christ and we win a wonderful prayer life. Look at James 4 and 6. But he gives more grace, therefore. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, we've been working to this point all day long, haven't we? If you've been here this morning, you know that's, that's what we've been working to all day long. He gives grace to whom? Not the proud. Not people that say, it's still about me. I want to pray about me. I want to pray that I can get things my way. I want to pray so I can fulfill my pleasures. I want to pray so I can still be friends with the world. No, no. What about if we want to be friends with God? What about if we want God's will to be done? Now we have something beautiful. Now it's not about us. We're willing to humble ourselves. Now notice verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Placing our life, he's already talked about humility. And we say, well, what does it really mean to be humble spiritually? It's saying, I place myself under your will, God. 
I'm subject to you. When Jesus could see in the distance a cross, and He went to the garden that night to pray, it was in humility that He prayed, let this cup pass from me. Now, if it stopped right there, it would have been arrogance. It would have been all about Him. But you see, He finished by saying, not my will, but your will be done. And so that's the challenge for us always, is to make sure that we're making our life available to God's will. That we're living a life that is submissive to God. And then the beautiful thing is that when we'll do that, we can have a period of rest from Satan as he will flee from us. And what a beautiful thought that is. Let's go to James 4 and 8 and 9, and let's just keep adding to this list. Notice how the list gets long here as we read 8 and 9. Let's just read the verse, and then we'll come back and just bullet each one of these. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. The first thing here in this section of verses that we see is he says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Now at the end of the first, at the end of the late service this morning, I mentioned to you an invitation song that I can't help when I read this verse, I can't help but think of the prodigal son. You know, sometimes we say, well, if you and God are separated, God hasn't moved, God never moves. Well, you know, there is an exception to that. If we are separated from God, it is not because God has left us, but God does move. When the prodigal son decided to repent and come home, the father took off running. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you, is what the Lord teaches us. And so it's a beautiful concept, even taught here in the book of James. God wants us close to Him so much that once we decide to repent, He moves to meet us. What a beautiful thought. And the truth is, if we picture God in that way, isn't it easier to have the prayer life that we ought to have? To know that we're praying to a God who loves us in that way and moves towards us in that way. But notice he also said to cleanse your hands. The last time maybe you painted or you worked on something and you were greasy and you looked down at your hands. Imagine if you couldn't wash them. Imagine if then you had to go to a restaurant, a nice restaurant, and you had to eat. It'd be nasty that you were eating with them, but it also would be embarrassing. You're dirty. Spiritually, what are we? When we're guilty of sin, spiritually, the symbolism here, our hands are dirty. Isn't it wonderful that we can cleanse them? We can be washed clean doesn't have to stay like that. The choice is ours. And then he takes it from the outer and he takes it to the inner as he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's the idea of not living a forked life. In other words, we usually call it a hypocritical life. We don't live one way to one group of people and another way to another group of people. But we purify our lives so that we are the same to God and to our friends and to our peers and to our co-workers and, and those in our school, to those in our family. We live a singular a biblical word for this is sincerity of life. We leave a sincere, a single life. That's what we can have when we come to God in full humility. And that's when he says, and he speaks about sorrow. 
Did you notice there in 9, three different ways he emphasizes it. Lament and mourn and weep. And if that wasn't enough, he mentions mourning again and he mentions gloom again. Friends, sin needs to break my heart. It's not just sorry I got caught. It's not sorry that it's embarrassing. It's not sorry that I let myself get into that bad habit. It's sorry I sinned against God. Great psalmist, against thee and thee only have I sinned. We need to be sorry for that. Now that is humility. When I'm genuinely sorry, I've hurt God. And it is in that kind of condition, verse 10 says, the Lord can work with that. The Lord can lift that one up. Did the Lord lift Jacob up? Absolutely. Esau did not come to destroy him after that. Can the Lord lift you up? Absolutely. There's so much that happens in this earth that we just don't know why it all happens. And we'll never be able to explain it all. But by faith, we can always know how we ought to react. Humbled under the mighty hand of God. Drawing near to God. Living a life that's pure. And allow God... Now I want you to think about Jacob as we studied this morning. And allowing God to take us in that time where we feel the most distressed and fearful and weak. And if we place ourselves in the right humility towards God, He can take then and make us strong. After I studied through these three passages that we studied today, my mind was still racing. I just went to the last page of my sermon that was being outlined there, and I just started typing random thoughts that run through. And it's not beautiful or put together, but it is a summary of a lot we've covered today. And I'd like to run these three or four sentences by you. Life makes warriors of us all. To emerge the victors, we must become weak soldiers. Weak of self and totally dependent upon God. The result will be a soldier wrestling with God in prayer, but never turning loose. Total submission, cleansed, pure, and humble. God will lift them up. Up to stand, up to endure, up to welcome home. Tonight. When we don't know what else to do, picture Jacob clinging to the man of God, saying, I'm just not going to give up. I need a blessing from you, God. And that's what he tells us to do. Ask. But not just anybody ask. The ones that have lived a life of humility. It's in our weakness that He can make us strong. It's when it seems like it's all falling apart 
that we can emerge victorious. But only if we stay with God. Tonight we're going to sing a song of invitation and it's not to see who here is perfect. There's not a one here perfect. It's to make sure that we all leave here forgiven. Wherever you are in life, if you've got struggles and challenges that seem so heavy and you may just need prayer tonight, we'd love to pray with you and for you. We believe that we should ask God that we can't make it alone. Maybe you've never been baptized into Christ. We don't believe anyone can be saved alone. We need a Savior and we want to submit to the will of that Savior as a believer, repentant. Confessing before men and being baptized for the remission of sins. Maybe you've committed sin since becoming a Christian and you want to repent of that and you want to confess that and you want to pray forgiveness. What a beautiful thing to ask. Lord, I want to wash my hands. I want to draw near to you. I want to purify my heart. What a night to do that. Let's leave here tonight. Wholly dependent upon God, clinging to Him, begging a blessing. We can help in any way.